stay organized. It's one of the most difficult things to do as a writer, as a creative person, because as a novelist, I write in large blocks. It takes me two to three months to do a first draft. When I get done with that, now I've got to shift gears. There's a year between starting each first draft at the least. And if I don't have detailed notes about how to do that best, very concisely formatted, I won't be able to do it. Welcome back to another edition of How I Create Me, where we passionately celebrate remarkable humans on their quest to thrive creatively in the commercial world. This community gives me both the courage to keep going and the wisdom to try something different. I hope our collective stories resonate with your own internal spark, and we're so glad you're joining us. Invite others by rating the show on Apple or Spotify. This helps the algorithm critters introduce us to more folks. Explore our happenings or chime into our conversation online at howicreate.me. Today, we're celebrating the remarkable human novelist Bill Hawkins. He chatted with me about embracing the urge to create, even when it means taking real risks or chasing the idea rabbit down a hole. Knowing our own value and building boundaries, especially healthy habits for body and mind, can keep us from getting stuck in more ways than one. Bill hails from Houston, Texas, and started work at the age of 12. His journey has since included serving as a Marine, freelance photographer, film and video producer, gun and ham radio enthusiast. His body of work includes five screenplays, seven novels, and two novellas. Join us to hear what his wife said when he quit his job to write full-time, and what he does every morning to elevate his brain before even approaching the page. Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've been enjoying reading your beautiful words for many years now, but to get to talk and have a conversation is really special and fun for me. So thanks for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me. All right. So we're going to dive in to talking about how we're going to thrive in a commercial world as creatives. So what is something that you wish everyone knew about why you first became a writer and your purpose and how that's morphed into the work that you do today? That's a big answer. So I'm going to try to trim it down a little bit. You know, <laughs> I, I, I got into writing when I was a kid. Um, I, I read some stuff in the library that just grabbed me and the reality of these characters and how just entangled I became with their emotions and their lives. And uh, it was, uh, in fact, the first book that really grabbed me like that was Frederick Forsyth's The Dogs of War. And it was intense. And then, of course, Ray Bradbury had a way of doing that, too, keeping you up all night. And <laughs> but, um, but I didn't know I could do that yet. And then when I did find out that I not only could do it, but it was something that was like breathing to me. It was, it was something I had to do. Now, I don't mean like it was that easy because it's not that easy, but it's something that I had to do. Then it, it just became critical to me to, to be a writer. And I, I, I spent most of my life trying to be something else, trying to be something more profitable, trying to be what people told me I should be until, you know, I finally I had this issue at work and I came to my wife and said, I'm going to quit my job and write. And she says, it's about time. <laughs> what were some of the what were some of the hoops you jumped through first what did you try first before you finally came to grips with being a writer oh well I I wrote a lot of nonfiction. I did a lot of magazine articles for how-to articles for uh, gun magazines believe it or not and for 
you know, never mind. I'm a thriller writer. How did, how did I get there? Um, so <laughs> no, um, uh, and, and photo magazines, I was a freelance photographer for, you know, several years. And, and one of the great things about that is all the people you meet through that. And maybe we'll get into that, but it's, it's pretty exciting stuff. Just a lot of hoops. I was a Marine. I was a student for way too many years, <laughs> worked a lot of late night jobs. And uh, it, it all came back around to, and, and one of the things that kills me, and you know this, is that I was never an English student. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like you said, writing is so much about the characters that you're embodying. And the rules are just there to make it easy for people to understand. So, yeah, you need to know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> So what have you learned about uh, how to turn this into a comfortable living? I'm sure there was a sense of relief in your soul when your wife was like, yes, it's about time that you embraced being the writer that you are. So what are some of the things that you've learned about how to turn being a writer into a comfortable living for yourself? A couple of things is don't deny your creativity. If, if you feel the need to branch out and do something else creative, go ahead and do it. I play guitar. I play guitar. I play keyboard. I play, you know, music and I produce music as well. And that is an incredibly creative outlet to me. And sometimes it's frustrating to me because I, I try to create too much. I try to create writing and then I go to try to create this. I do need to take a little bit of a break between the two sometimes because otherwise I'm just like create, 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 flame out, you know, but, and that, that's one big thing is don't deny your creativity, get out there and create. And, and if, if you feel led to get involved in something else that's not steering you away from your work too much, uh, go ahead and do it. Even if it is steering you away from your work too much. I have the hardest time getting up in the morning and thinking, I should play guitar for a half hour before I write. But when I do that, it, it, it adds at least 50% to my writing volume of that day. I, I, I write wow. so much better if I've created something else first and got into that mode. That's part of it. And the other one I'd say, this is a more difficult, more business thing, uh, is stay organized. It's one of the most difficult things to do as a writer, as a creative person, because as a novelist, I write in large blocks. It takes me two to three months to do a first draft. Um, and that includes the outlining and, and preparing and getting the story right and knowing the characters and all that, and then writing it. And when I get done with that, now I've got to shift gears. I've got to take a couple of weeks of reading and studying and doing other things so that I get away from the story a bit. And then I got to start into second draft. And if I don't stay incredibly organized and keep incredibly detailed notes, I won't know how to start the next step because it's too big a time. There's, there's a year between starting each first draft at, at, the, at the least. Mm -hmm. uh, at least with me, it is. Some people, it'll be four or five years between starting a first draft. And if I don't have detailed notes about how to do that best, if I don't have that very concisely formatted, I won't be able to do it. And uh, I don't know if everybody's like that, but I, honestly, I think, I think we all are to some degree. It's a good idea to keep notes and keep them in one place. I agree. I think that's a part of the human condition. <laughs> Our brains are just, they're so much bigger than our skulls and, and they need the, the support of all these peripheral tools to, to uh, hold space for the ideas. And I think that organization is something that everybody has to wrestle with, <laughs> whether, whether it's something that comes naturally or not, whether you're creative or not, that 
you know, getting your brain out into the world and, and, and having an active and productive brain, you know, requires uh, that certain level of keeping things straight. So tell me more about your process for finding inspiration for your work. I know you mentioned playing in doing other things creatively kind of helps jumpstart your writing, but how do you avoid getting uh, into ruts and where do you find your inspiration? Oh, wow. Um, How do I avoid getting into ruts? Know my characters. I tell you, if you know who your characters are, they find their own path. They find their own story. And it it really is that it's that complicated and that simple or that simple and that complicated, however you want to look at it. But I usually spend more time outlining and defining my characters and knowing what their strengths are and weaknesses are and what their voice is going to be than I do outlining the story. And then I honestly, I don't remember the last time that I got stuck on a story point. When you're drafting your characters, do you pull the inspiration from real life people that you've met or uh, what's some of the raw material that you work with to build your characters? Oh yeah. Be careful what you say. You'll wind up in one of my novels. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't copy real people. I, 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 I'm an observer. I've always been an observer. I've watched people. My wife tries to understand why I drive the way I do because I drive looking at everybody on the road and I know what they're going to do before they do it. And that's, that's what I do. I watch. And, and it made me a good press photographer when I was doing that. I'd watch somebody watch some kids playing and I'd know they're going to do this and I'd, I'd be ready for it with the camera. And that's, that's a big part of it, observing the world around you and observing the people around you. And, you know, a lot of characters are composite characters. Well, all characters are composite characters. I wrote a book called Arm to the Dentures and Arm to the Dentures was, it it really came from my place of of when I was a child, knowing a lot of elderly people that had real life stories that nobody was listening to, but I was a kid and I wanted to know what was going on. You know, I met a guy, he had a big antenna tower outside of his house and I walked by one day and this huge antenna was rotating in the sky and I went and knocked on the guy's door. I think I was 11 or 12 years old. And said, what is that? <laughs> you know, and he was a ham radio operator. Now I'm a ham radio operator. You know, I mean, it's, but I learned from him and I learned his stories about working in the oil fields in Texas in the 19 teens and being the first radio operator out there for Humble Oil Company. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what you learn about. You, you learn to look at people and say, there's a lot more to that person than a grumpy old lady that, you know, her dog wants to bite you. There's something to that person. And you can either ask them or you can imagine what it is and just put all the pieces together and create a character. I love that idea that it's a composite of observations, that there's a richness in the world around us that is calling calling us out, out of our homes, out of our own you know, presuppositions, out of our own ideas and inviting us to, to see something new and something beautiful and valuable. And I'm really excited to read the story of that radio operator. It hasn't come across my desk yet. So I'll be looking forward to that one. Completely intriguing. (laughs) So what else is something that creative professionals should start or stop doing, in your opinion, to find a balance between their creative work and their overall well-being? I would say, at least from my own experience, don't sit don't sit down too much. Get out and do things. 
both for your mental health and your physical health. And uh, and you can't you can't separate the two really because you, you need your physical help to, to to keep your mental health. And the other thing is uh, a daily reminder here is turn the heater on in your office. <laughs> Sorry, you, you can't write when your fingers are frozen. Let's put it that way. <laughs> So, um, that's that was a an aside. I'm sorry. But, no worries. Um, no worries. <laughs> back to that question. That's a that's a big question, and all of them, of course, are. But but being creative again. I'm back to the being creative. Can't just be one channel. I don't think there's any. Maybe there are creative people out there that are so channeled, so focused on one creative thing that they don't do anything else. But I would bet you that Stephen King plays piano or you know, does something else creative in his life that, that we never read about or we, ne- we don't really know about. I, I would say that, that great writers, um, they go out and they do things and they experiment with life. And, you know, I, I would say that's the first thing is, is get out and live. And then uh, we already covered that about 15 times, but um, stay fit because your health is, is critical to being able to think clearly. That is definitely something that I have felt the the weight of as a toddler mom, where we have all this illness coming through our house. It is amazing the effect that physical fitness and readiness and recovery, like being able to go through getting sick or having a challenge and recover and recenter and pull that forward into something brighter in the future. So what's a failure that you've experienced that you think other creatives would like appreciate a heads up about? I think that probably one of the most difficult things for me was first that staying organized thing, thinking that I would remember all those great ideas I had before about how to edit on a second draft. And I would just fall right into the flow of the second or third draft without any problem because um, writing is rewriting. I mean, it is rewrite, rewrite, rewrite till you get it right. That's terrible, but it's, it's true. 100% true. <laughs> it's 100% true. You keep going. It, it doesn't matter if it takes 15 drafts. That's what you do. And unfortunately, that's happened at least once for me. <laughs> it's, but, but, <laughs> But not not keeping uh, my stuff all in one place in an organized form that I could easily reapproach that 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 was kind of a failure and it was something I learned to do and I more recently I've I've moved to a different system where I am creating a second draft a first draft a second draft a third draft one sheet it's just a page that has specific notes about where to find everything and how to fi- how to title files correctly and the other thing is bringing good people around you. And I, I have to have good people working around me. I didn't have a good proofreader for the longest time. And you can't proofread yourself. You, you simply can't because as a writer, you read and the words all line up and they all say exactly what you wanted them to say. You could miss two or three words. And I have. I've missed two or three words out of a sentence. I just skipped them and not even realized. I mean, because I just filled my brain filled it in. So have a proofreader. They'll find those mistakes um, and they'll make you look more professional because if you want to sell your work, if you want people to read it, it needs to be well proofread and, and correctly spelled and use the right words in the right place and and not make dumb jokes at the wrong time. And 
you know, proofreaders come back to you and a good editor would come back to you with some, some good stuff. So find good people around you. Another failure for me, it took a couple of years to figure out how to get my kid. I had young kids too. And it took me a couple of years to figure out how to get my kids to let me have a couple hours a day to write. <laughs> and that's a hard thing because they want your attention. But yeah, when, when they finally get to be teenagers, you can actually post a sign on the door that says stay out, you know. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up, too, because I was thinking about the, the good people around you is the professionals that can assist you in your creative craft. But then it's also the neighbor that will come hang out with your kid for a couple of hours to like I had somebody come over to my house this week. I was like, man, I am facing a couple of important deadlines and, you know, this thing working out with watching my toddler didn't happen. And she's like, yeah, I'll come, you know, watch TV with him for three hours in the afternoon so you can get your get yourself organized and put together. And so. What's some advice that you would give to the next generation of authors and creatives uh, to experience their profession to the fullest? Don't imagine that you know everything already. The things you know might be wrong. I, I, I read technical things all the time that are wrong. You know, such and such picked up a Glock and flipped off the safety. I'm like, that's an interesting Glock. Uh, <laughs> Never had one of those before. Um, no, I mean, there are technical things like that. I mean, that sounds silly, but it's not. I, I actually um, thought about writing, um, doing a video series of, of firearms for writers because this is a, an area that I'm very familiar with. And, and uh, obviously, a lot of writers aren't. And they can watch TV and they still get things wrong. And that's okay, but it's a little, you know, it takes you out of the story when somebody does that. So know your subject. Um, and if you don't know your subject, learn your subject. And uh, I'm writing a story right now. I'm about to start the second draft, and it's set in Naples, Italy, mostly in Naples, Italy. I don't know Naples. I, I can't go to Naples right now. They won't let me in right now. But I can go on Google Maps, and I can cruise the streets, and I can watch videos of car chases through Naples, and I can do that kind of research, and I can talk to all the real Italians that I know, and that's helpful especially when you know somebody from that area. So it's, it's, it's always, every little thing like that is helpful in getting the flavor of your story. So I would call that uh, research, but it's not just research. Some of your story has to come from some of your life too, and some of your experience. And we talked about characters and how those characters come from life experience. Places and, and happenings also come from life experience or can come from life experience. I'm not saying you have to go out and kill somebody to write a thriller about somebody killing somebody. Please don't do that. Um, I'm just saying that, <laughs> that, that there, there are things like I worked in a motorcycle shop when I was, now these guys have never showed up in a book. I worked in a motorcycle shop when I was 15 and everybody in that shop was in the banditos except for me in Texas. And I didn't know till years later that they're more notorious and worse violently uh, and have a worse reputation than the hell's angels. They're, they're terrible people. I knew that and I kept them a little bit at arm's length, but I didn't know it that much, you know? Yeah. I would say take those experiences and, and remember that as a younger person, if you're just getting started, you're not going to have all those experiences. It takes time and you don't necessarily want all those experiences. You don't necessarily want to go to work in those kind of places because 
it can be dangerous and dumb, you know? Um, so sorry, but that's true. But if, if, if somebody says, let's go to this place and it's something out of your wheelhouse, but it's not life-threatening, go, go do it. It could open your eyes. And the other thing is meet people and talk to people. One of my best job experiences was when I was a freelance photographer because I did a lot of commercial work and I went and I did things that people think are boring. I went and photographed medical technical stuff and, but the people weren't boring. They all had an interesting life. And, and some of the technology was fascinating too. I mean, who knew, you know, whoever thinks about the lab where people send a sample of, of human tissue for cancer when, when they think they have cancer for, for a biopsy, who thinks about that? Going and photographing that kind of technical stuff and then talking to those people, you learn about that kind of thing. T take whatever opportunity you can to meet people. The guy that brings a dump truck load of dirt to your house, you know, go out and talk to the truck driver. You know, he's probably got kids, one of them or a grandkid that's going to college, maybe, maybe the first in his family or something. You never know what the big events of these people's lives are. But talk to them. You get a little bit of that, and those things will become characters. They'll become something to write about. They'll be, become a reference point for you not to box people in too tightly and to remember that everybody has a life path that, that winds all over the place. Nobody goes in a straight line. And I am so uh, excited about that modality of approaching life. It, it brings a, a freshness to every day. and also takes some of the weight off that it's not this intricate thing that's planned. It's just embracing the moments as they come and having the habit of being open and, but also having boundaries. <laughs> I really appreciate not just about, you know, protecting your life, <laughs> but things, you know, uh, simple boundaries of having a good cup of coffee in the morning, you know, sitting down to play guitar those are all really encouraging and feel to me very resonant. So I really appreciate you sharing with us. Oh, I just wanted to add one little thing. And that was that um, not every writer is an outgoing person that's able to talk to people just willy nilly. That's a very difficult thing for a lot of people to do. And I understand that. Um, so, I mean, some people will shut this down and say, oh, I can't do that. I could never do that. You can be a great writer and not do those things too. You can be a great writer and just observe those things. Send your kid out to talk to the truck driver and listen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really great, that's a really great point. In in recovering sort of from the shifts in how we work that have affected our world in, in these past several years, there's uh, even people who used to be really comfortable with talking to strangers, those skills may, may have, you know, regressed a little bit <laughs> as we've had to cope with the challenges um, that we faced of being isolated from each other. And that is wonderful encouragement that, yes, it's, it, there's more ways to skin a cat. And don't scan your neighbor's cat. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, to wrap up our conversation together today, I'm going to play one round of one of my favorite games, and this is called the Ungame. And so it's a conversation game. What I appreciate about it is it's questions, 
to help us get to know each other and celebrate quirky fun things that we didn't know. So in the spirit of learning something new, I'm going to shuffle and then draw a card and then we can choose which of us will answer first. Complete the sentence. I wish all people would dot, dot, dot. Shower. Amen. <laughs> it's amazing what a big difference that can make, <laughs> not only for your self-care, but for the care of all the others around us. <laughs> no, I agree. Okay, so my answer would be, I wish all people would embrace their laugh. Laughter is so rare and hard to find because it takes a lot to line up a comedic moment. So when you feel like laughing, like do it all the way and don't let any embarrassment or anything trip you up. There you well, go. Now you make me wish I'd thought about this a little bit more. You make me sound so <laughs> crass and selfish. <laughs> you can answer again. That was your, no, your answer is a gift to people. My answer is a takeaway. <laughs> no, you don't understand how much your answer is a gift to people. <laughs> <laughs> can i make a plug um, real quick oh please please do. i have to plug i have book oh book can you read that correctly Yay, book. arm to the dentures bill hawkins um i i've only published one book so far uh, most of my uh, writing is targeted at uh traditional publishing but i decided to go ahead and self-publish uh one novel and i've got a follow-up to that coming which i'll be self-publishing as well so Arm to the Dentures is out at um, all the usual places, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Amazon. And What's the called, rundown of the uh, story? Well, six elderly women arm up to go get their money and their dignity back uh, when, a, uh, when a nursing home a manager robs their bank accounts and makes a run for it. They... Uh, <laughs> that sounds hilarious. It's and I fun. already am in love with these women. <laughs> yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Six old ladies with automatic weapons, you know. It's 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 really a, a wide open theme there. And and so it drew out a second novel, which is a Have Cain Will Travel. That's on the way. Uh that's that's first draft is in the can and we're we're working on that one. Should be six or eight months before the final draft. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And we'll include in all the show notes for everyone who wants to check out um, Arm to the Dentures and any other Bill Hawkins work links to his website and all the applicable places you can find his marvelous book. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Bill. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. That's another party in the bag for How I Create Me. We're incredibly grateful that you've welcomed our content into your headspace. We take it very seriously that we should bring light and goodness to your soul. So don't be shy about sharing your thoughts. How'd we do? Do you want to hear more? What should we talk about next? To stay connected and get amongst the details, visit howicreate.me. Are there other people in your world that should join the party? Invite others by rating the show on Apple or Spotify. This helps the algorithm critters introduce us to more folks. Like, share, follow, and all the social media things, that'll help too. Explore our happenings or chime into our conversation online at howicreate.me. 
This podcast would not be possible without the generous efficiency of our executive producer and production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening. May you go forth and thrive.